Good morning, everybody. Bishop Ed Akers here, my 945 Live, my weekly devotion to try to jumpstart my week and yours too. I'm excited to be with you today and praising God for this beautiful day in Central Ohio. And it's another great day to be alive and to give our best for Jesus Christ and to be thankful for all the multiple blessings that He has given to us in our life. And to be with you for these next 10 or 15 minutes is a great joy in my heart. Look forward to it every week to uh, share something that God has placed on my heart or something I've observed and want to share with you today. And today I want to talk to you about one. One. And about not missing the one. You know, Jesus uh, gave us a question in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 12. Um, he's talking to his disciples. He's giving parables, uh, which are illustrations or illustrated stories. And he gives us one in Matthew chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains, and go in search of the one that went astray? If he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That one of these little ones should perish. How often do we fail to notice those around us? How often do we fail to notice those that are suffering, that are in great pain in their life? People all around us every day that are facing hardships and difficulties. It's very easy for us to just kind of do life and forget uh, that there are people hurting everywhere that we go. I want us to think about the one today. I want us to think about uh, a Christianity that's not based solely on doctrines and truths and church attendance. Uh, do we have a Christianity that is demonstrable in the fact that we are not just interested in cultural warfare, Look, I'm one of those that speak out on subjects all the time. I believe that we need to have biblical uh, correctness. I believe that we need to know what God wants and what the Word of God says and demands from us. I believe that we should have good doctrine and theology. I believe that we should be defenders of God's Word and of the truth. But I also know that if we do all of that and we fail to reach the one that God places in front of us on a daily basis. If we have an inactionable Christianity, if it's just philosophy, if it's just theory, if it's just ideology, idealism, and it doesn't have any hands or feet, it's not driven by compassion, but fear. Today I see so much in our church world as people are yelling at the darkness as loud as they can barking about the ills of cultural warfare, barking about the ills of what's going on around us. But is our Christianity, is our version of serving God basically just getting what we can by faith, getting the most comfortable life I can have for me and my family, living virtuous and by values of the word even, but all the end result is that I get what I desire out of life. 
if that's the Christianity we are uh, promoting, that we are living, then we're not living a true biblical Christianity. It's so important for us to get not only the perspective of truth, but of actionable living that tells the world that our God is not just a theoretical God. Our God is not just a God of doctrines and teachings and dogmas, but that our God cares about the hurting and the broken. Look, culture has gone crazy. Culture is crazy. We see things today we never thought we would ever see. And I think I remember my grandfather talking this way when I was a young man. He couldn't believe how crazy the world had become with hippies and all of the things that he was witnessing on the nightly news that was so foreign to the culture he had been raised in. But I have a feeling that when he was young, his parents felt culture was headed toward extinction as well. We are in a social war, make no doubt about it. There is a warfare for our children's minds. There is a warfare to do away with maleness and male leadership in our society. There is a war on marriage. There is a war on God. There is a war on everyone. And we must speak out without reservation. We must tell the world this is what God says. We must stand for the truth if it costs us our life. But in the middle of all of that craziness, in the middle of all that yelling at the masses, in the middle of all of that yelling at people groups, and political agendas, and even spiritual and immoral agendas. It's very easy for us to get involved in yelling at the nameless crowd, the nameless crowd. We, we name it Gen Z, Gen X, boomers, busters. It's a faceless, nameless, it's a named but faceless group, mass of people. We can be mad at a mass of people. Or LGBTQ plus all the rest. It's a mass of people. Easy to be angry at. Easy to cast stones and throw our venom toward people because of the immorality they have found themselves engaged in. And maybe we're right to stand up because they are out after things we cherish and hold dear. We put people in bulks of groups, male or female. Woman, feminism. Uh, chauvinism. Uh, we make black, white, Asian, Latin, Mexican. Put everything in groups. Rich. Go after the rich people. Go after the poor people. And we easily take all of our theology and throw big giant boulders at this mass group who's creating cultural war against me. But in the middle of all of that mass of people, there are individuals. There are victims. There are people who are, have been abused, broken, abandoned, disenfranchised, fractured, abused, deeply hurting people. Pull them from the mass. Pull them from the narrative. Pull them from the stereotype of the mass that you have created as something that's okay to attack and not have love for because we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. But see, the sinners are in the sin we hate. 
We have to cross the threshold of sins we hate to get to the sinners that are inside that sin. Today, as I walk and come to, as you drive and go to church or you go about your day when you listen to this, there are, there's someone who's mourning the death, the recent death of a loved one. You might be busy about your life and ministry or whatever it is, your job, but as you pass someone even on the job or at the store, they may have just lost a loved one and they're trying to cope with the pain and the grief and they may not give you the right reaction for the day, but what kind of action and reaction are you going to give them? Someone's fighting a deadly disease. They just got a bad report from the doctor. They don't know where their life's going to go, but you pass right by them and don't see them because you're too busy focused on yourself or the day or the masses or the job at hand. Someone is giving up because of an addiction. Once again, they've fallen and they feel despair. This morning as we woke, somebody woke up today that was close to killing themselves last night. They might even come to church. You may pass them. You may go through your favorite place to get a cup of coffee. They may be the one serving you. Do you notice the one? Do you see them? Or do you just see the mass? Some parent got the call of a child arrested last night or the day before. They don't know what to do. Someone else, a wife, just found the pornography on the computer. Or worse, the girlfriend. Some guy just lost his career, fired or let go because of his age or because of something else for someone else to be hired and his dreams have been thrown aside. Do you notice the one? The one that's going through something deep today, a, a teenager that might even be in your youth group this week, pastor, was just recently beaten by their father again or abused by someone and they can't tell about it. Someone almost gave up last night. Do you notice the one? We encounter these ones every single day. But we miss them. We're too busy, too lazy, too angry, suffering ourselves, or too afraid to reach out. What if faith is not just about believing God for what you want, but trusting God that as you help others, He will help you to help them? that He might even protect you from the harm they may bring into your life. This is a good example, I think, of what this would be like. As Christians walk the life every day, live out their faith, preach against the storm of this culture, stand up big and bold and beat our chest and our drum of Christianity in the face of a world that doesn't want anything to do with it, and we think we're making a difference, but we're missing the one soul God woke us up for that day. And this example, think about a surgeon, a cardiac surgeon, a heart surgeon, the best in the world, knows all about surgery, has performed surgery many times. He teaches it now, he's a professor. And he teaches this to newest aspiring surgeons. He's invented procedures. He's the best. But along the way, he encounters someone having a heart attack. But instead of springing into action and helping that person get the help they need, he begins to rail against heart disease about how that person may have been eating the wrong food and how they probably 
got there because they deserted. And then he goes on and describes the procedures and the right way to do surgery. And how this other way of doing surgery was inadequate or wrong, but he has the right way. And he talks and talks and talks and proposes and supposes and gives precept upon precept. And he never helps the person having the heart attack. And the guy dies. Or maybe it's a world-class chef known all over the world for his great cuisine, his excellence of preparing food. Comes across hungry people, a hungry person, hasn't had a meal in days. But instead of springing into action and buying the person a meal or making him one or sharing his own food, he describes his greatest dish, tells all about the spices and the contents and the ingredients, the smell and the aroma, and the taste when it hits the palate, but never feeds the hungry. The guy just wants a bologna sandwich, and he's describing some great dish he's prepared. This must be what it sounds like to the world when the church preaches elaborate sermons and rails and rallies against, against, against everything this solemn culture is doing. We describe Jesus. We talk about what the church is and what it can do, and we give ideal after ideal after ideal condition that they can experience if they come to Jesus Christ. But we walk right by the one and take no action, never lowering ourselves to the place that they are at, never getting into their space to understand what they're feeling. And someday you might be in that space. You might be in despair. You will grieve because somebody you love died or left you. You will not have enough of what you think you need to have in life and be afraid for your future. Your child will disappoint you. Your marriage may wreck. Who's going to be there for you when you're the one? Hopefully it's another Christian. Hopefully it's a child of God and not somebody coming to give you a sermon. Sermons have their place, but they don't need a sermon when they're broken and hurting. They need compassion. I have to work on this all the time. As a preacher of the gospel, it's easy to preach and preach and preach and help and counsel and do and then just forget about the one at some point. I can't. My heart's broken for those that are hurting today, those that have lost loved ones, those that are grieving, those that are not in the place I'm at right now today. You know, Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist, who spoke with an eloquent English accent with a gentleman way about him, looked soft and didn't seem like he was anything more than some old man with uh, the smell of his cologne and sweaters he wore, and he just looked like somebody's great-grandfather. But his tongue could cut deep. He said this once, the world doesn't need another definition of Christianity. The world needs a new demonstration of Christianity. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, 18-19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to set free the captives, to restore sight to the blind, to free the prisoner, 
You see, God sent Jesus down to be with us. And Jesus cared about the one. Many of his encounters were not with masses of people, but with one. He delivered one man from demons at the Gadarenes. He raised one Lazarus from the dead. He com brought compassion to one person and the masses. You rarely hear him talking about Rome or the culture of the day. Instead, extolling the goodness and love and power of God and the grace of God and then demonstrating it by giving even his own life that he might hurt all of us who are suffering in sin. Church, don't forget the one today. Remember, God sent you into the world, but the world is not the dirt, the sand, the trees, the mountains. The world is made up of ones. Billions of ones. You're only one, but with God, you can touch another one. This week, don't be so busy, don't be so caught up, and don't be so angry about our culture that you forget to help one that's hurting and suffering, to reach out when they're in pain. I've known great preachers in my life, people that I thought were my friends. And when we were all together preaching and doing church stuff, they were right there. But when I went through suffering, they weren't there. I couldn't even reach some of them. The ones that really loved me were always there. And I hope I'm the same. Hey, be the one for one this week. God bless you. Join me today at 1045. I'm preaching today, preaching a mountain called, or a sermon called Mountain Moving Faith. I'm excited to be in service today at Victorious Living Church. Wherever you're in church today, give God all the praise. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. And may this week get off to a good start today as you fulfill the purpose of God. Remember these words, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you till next week at 945. This is Bishop Ed Akers blessing you and thanking God for you. Thanking God for all of my partners at Victorious Living International. We continue to reach the world with the love and the victory of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great day.